When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. It's me again, Simon Brooks, standing in to guest host for Rachel Ann Harding. And yes, I have some stories for you. This is a podcast where you will hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. The snowbanks were melting revealing what had been sleeping beneath them all winter. Mud is starting to show, and buds are beginning to peep out of the slowly warming ground. They are hungry. You know, Mo and I go out most days into the forest, and the spring has been a long time coming. Actually, it's come and gone, thank goodness, because those plants were none like I have ever seen before. Mo and I were jumping over pools of mud and quagmires, in places we had to move stones to be able to cross or to become marsh or small streams. There is this large boulder not far from the stream we follow usually. The rock is about 15 feet tall and the bottom about 20 feet across, narrowing towards the top to an almost point. Sometimes Mo and I climb up on it in the summer and let the dappled sunlight fall on us as we sit there. It's gorgeous. Anyway... On one side, at the bottom of the boulder, there is this large puddle of water. It's like a mini, mini pond, perhaps halfway around the base of this rock. Well, some plants grow there, but mostly grass. Right now, the edges are muddy, and these strange plants were beginning to peep out. Picking up this rock to toss into the stream that we had to cross, I saw a bright purple flower in the corner of my eye. It was way too early for cornflowers and I'd never seen cornflowers there before. But some people do bring plants to put into the woods sometimes. When I looked and reached for it to turn the flower's head to get a better look, it backed away and then thrust forward. What I had first thought were petals turned out to be a mouth, and in the mouth were teeth, not big and long, but small, plentiful, and what looked like to be very, very sharp indeed. I have not met Joel Ben Izzy, but his stories are very good. I've seen them on YouTube, and I've read a few of his stories too. He's been telling tales forever. I saw his name first in the National Storytelling Network Storytelling Magazine back in the 80s, I think it was, and I've seen a couple of YouTube videos of his stories. He's such a nice guy, I discovered as we emailed back and forth, and he's very laid back, but his telling is as powerful if not as noisy as a tornado. Enjoy his version of the Haitian story, Maurice and the Elephant Drum. You know, in Haiti, there are many, many drums and many, many drummers, and there are many, many stories and many, many storytellers, so many storytellers, in fact, that if you wish to tell a story, you don't say, I have a story to tell. Everyone would be saying that all at once. No, instead you say this. You say, creak. And if people want to hear it, they say, crack. 
We'll try it. Creek. Yeah. See, now if they get a response like that, they turn around and walk away. <laughs> so they try it again. I have a story to tell. Creek. Yeah. Maybe. One more time. Creek. Yeah. All right. And then when the audience is ready, when the drums are ready and the drummers are ready, then they might tell a story. And of the many stories they tell, one of them might be the story of Mericier, stronger than the elephants, which explains why it is that there are so many drums and so many drummers in Haiti, so many stories and so many storytellers in Haiti, but in all the island of Haiti, you will not find a single elephant. It begins with an old man who's dying, who calls his three sons together, who says, My sons, yes, my sons, I am dying. And I ask you this, if I die, how will you bury me? And his oldest son says, Father, if you die, and I hope you don't die, but if you die, I will bury you in a beautiful coffin made of mahogany. Ah, yes, and what of you, my second son? Father, if you die, and I hope you don't die, but if you die, I will bury you in a beautiful coffin made of brass. Ah, yes. And what of you, my third son, Mericier? If I die, how will you bury me? Father, if you die, and I hope you don't die, but if you die, I will not bury you in a coffin made of mahogany. I will not bury you in a coffin made of brass. I will bury you in the giant drum of the king of the elephants. His father opened his eyes and said, Go, find me that drum. And he searches wide and far, all over the island of Haiti, asking everyone, no one knows where the giant drum of the king of the elephants is, for no one has even seen the king of the elephants or the drum. They have not a clue, and he wanders for days. He's frazzled, he's weak, he's tired, until he finally comes to an old man who says, What is it you seek? The drum of the king of the elephants? Ah, I can help you, for I know voodoo magic. And this man is a voodoo priest who teaches him secrets and finally gives him magical wari nuts. He says, I will give you these four magic wari nuts and they will help you. You will see the elephants and the elephants will dance. They will dance like you've never seen elephants dance before. And you will say, that is amazing. But once they dance, they will go to sleep. And as they sleep, you may go steal their drum, but be very careful not to wake up the elephants. For if you do, they will be very angry. They will chase you. They will get you. They will tear you to pieces. Eh? And all that will protect you are these magic wari nuts. I will give them to you. And if you see the elephants coming, hear their feet stomping, you may throw the wari nut and it may help. With that, Mauricier was thankful and went off to the distant western end of Haiti where he did see the elephants coming. And the elephants came and they danced danced and they danced around a huge drum and after they danced they slowly fell asleep and as they slept he crept among the elephants around them to the center of the elephants where the huge drum lay now i have to ask you have you ever smelled an elephant they don't smell good but more than that they're dusty very dusty 
and the dust got into Mauricio's nose and he found that he was going to sneeze and he tried not to and he managed not to. And he grabbed that drum, but he found that sneeze creeping back up again. And he tried not to, and he didn't sneeze one more time. And just as he got to the edge of the elephants, he, 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 hi <laughs> And the littlest elephant woke up and said, tight. That was all it took. The elephants woke up. And when they woke up, they were not happy. They began to chase Mauricier. And Mauricier took that drum. He held it over his head. And he ran. And he ran. And he ran. And as he ran, he looked. And he saw the elephants were gaining on him. He stopped. He took out the magical water nut. And he threw it. And the instant it landed, on the spot where it landed, there appeared a forest. Trees sprouted up from the ground. And the elephants came to the trees. They stopped. And they looked to the king of the elephants, who twisted his trunk. One... Two, three times. And the elephants all turned to eagles who flew over the forest. And when they landed on the other side, suddenly they became elephants again. And they chased after him faster than before. So here was Mauricier looking. At one moment he was being followed by elephants. The next moment he was being followed by eagles. And the next moment, elephants again. So he ran faster and faster. But when the elephants were getting closer, he took a magical water nut and he threw it. And where it landed, there appeared a river. A wide, fast-flowing river. And he said, that should hold him for a while. And when the elephants came to the river, they looked to the king of the elephants and said, what do we do? The king of the elephants twisted his trunk one, two, three times. And the elephants turned to crocodiles. And the crocodiles slithered across the river. And when they reached the other side, there were elephants again. And again, Mauricier grabbed the drum. He held it above his head, and he ran, and he ran. And he looked back. He saw the elephants chasing him once again. And this time he took the third water nut. He threw it in. As it landed, it turned into a pond. And that pond grew larger and larger and larger. And that pond grew so large, it turned into an ocean. And the elephants came to the ocean. They turned to the king of the elephants and said, What do we do? The king of the elephants said, Drink the ocean. And the elephants began to drink and drink. And as they drank, they became sick. And some of them tried to walk across, but they sank into the mud. And they disappeared. And only the king of the elephants remained, who trudged slowly across the mud. Marisier, he was too busy holding this drum, running back to get to his village. And when he finally came within sight of his village, he saw the house of his father. He ran to his father and said, Father, Father, I'm home. There was no one there. He looked out, and out in the field, he saw a man digging. And he ran to this man who was digging. And as he got closer, he realized that it was his father. He said, Father, Father, I've brought the drum, the drum of the king of the elephants. His father said, Ah, good, but you know I was sick. I'm better now. We don't need that. (laughs) Marissier was exhausted. He took the drum with him, and he lay down finally to sleep. But as he slept, he dreamed. And as he dreamed, he once more heard the elephants coming towards him and saw the dust they raised. And he suddenly woke up. And it wasn't just a dream, because there coming towards him was the king of the elephants. And Marissier reached. He grabbed the final water nut. He picked it up. He threw it. And as he threw it, suddenly... Everything froze. The elephant which had been running towards him froze. Mauricier 
who'd thrown the water nut, froze. And the drum, which he'd bumped into when he reached to get the water nut and it started to roll around, that froze. And everything began to crack into little pieces. The drum, the elephant, Marissier. And each little piece of the drum became a tiny little drum. And each little piece of the elephant became a tiny little drummer. And all the drummers took all the drums and ran all over Haiti playing those drums. And what became of Marissier? Each little piece of Marissier became a storyteller. And the storytellers went all over the world. And they told many, many stories, but the favorite story to tell was the story of Marissier, stronger than the elephants. And that is why in Haiti, even to this day, you will find many drums, many drummers, many stories, and many storytellers, so many storytellers that if you want to tell a story, you say, click, and the audience says, but you will not find a single elephant. This episode's fairy tale sponsor is the Vegan Ogre Restaurant. Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to give the poor dog a bone. But when she got there, the cupboard was bare, so the poor little dog had none. See, it's not just you who forgets to shop, but when your cupboard is bare, head over to the Vegan Ogre Restaurant. Delicacies such as swamp goulash, leaf lasagna with textured vegetable protein, naughty witch stew... Don't worry, there's no meat in it. It's made by witches and contains some of the finest herbs and spices to be afforded. And a wide selection of vegan and gluten-free brick oven pizzas. And more are all available on their extensive menu. And don't worry about your meat-eating Neanderthal friends. The Vegan Ogre offers French fries and hot dogs and blackbird pie. All this can be served at your own table or cosy booth, picked up for takeaway or delivered if you're housebound. And that's just for starters. Try out the Chef's Special Mud Pie, a forest favourite, cactus popsicles and the ever-popular Tom's Plum Pudding. The Vegan Ogre has a full licence and specialty beers, daily specials on the menu and clean bathrooms and indoor plumbing. Come and experience the warm fires, romantic candles or the Great Hall if you have a business dinner. It seats up to 45, as does the conference room, which is also available. Visit now. The Vegan Ogre Restaurant, Leak Lane, The Leafy Forest, four miles off the wire piddle exit of Highway Hood. Did you know that all patrons of the podcast can keep their hair straight by staying out of the humidity? You can too, for as little as $4 a month, sponsoring this wonderful podcast. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this series possible. If you want to hear me or Rachel Ann make up facts about you then maybe you should become a supporter, like Casey did. We would love that. Now, sometimes I have tossed chocolate on our walks. When we almost bumped into that troll, I had to do that. But this purple plant with tiny teeth was stuck in the ground and could not chase me. There was no way I was going to give it any chocolate but I did have some treats for Mo, and it was about time my girl had some. I thought, why not give this mysterious plant a bit of milk bone too, to see just how strong those teeth were. As I reached into my backpack for the treats, Mo heard and came bounding over. 
When she saw the plants, she cocked her head to one side and gave a little yelp as if to say, What the whack is that? I told her I had no idea, but I was going to give it one of her treats. She kind of pouted at me and looked at me with her big orange eyes when I said that. I broke one of the small milk bones in half, gave part to Mo and the other part I dropped into the flour. I have never seen anything other than a blender turn a dog biscuit into dust like that. Mo growled and backed away. I turned to face Mo, and the plant nearest me bit me. I pulled my finger away with blood coming from it. Ow! I said to Mo. I wasn't very nice. These are dangerous. I was not sure I liked this at all, and looked at the other toothed purple plants. There were seven. I gave Mo another mini milk bone, then picked up the large stone I had planned on using across the quagmire. I set it heavily on the flowers from a great height. Invasive species are not good. I only hope I never see those purple chomping plants ever again. Claire Murphy is another storyteller I have not met, yet I have heard about her. Her name is bounced around amongst many other storytellers. She is an inspiration to many young and up-and-coming storytellers herself. She has that beautiful Irish brogue and a calm and yet incredibly powerful way of telling tales. Her wit has graced the National Theatre stage in England, the Barbican, and also the Globe. She's also worked for NASA telling stories. Her wit and compassion comes out through the words that she chooses, and she chooses them carefully. Enjoy these words of Claire Murphy. Hello, hello, Story Story podcast listeners. Claire Murphy here, recording this story for you in Bristol, England, January 2019. This story comes from a book, a brilliant book called Best Love Folktales of the World. Collected by Joanna Cole. Long, long ago, Frog squatted in his muddy home in a state of great depression. He was very low. He was low because he felt he was perhaps the ugliest creature in the world. When he looked at his reflection in the water, he could see that he had a mouth like a big black cave that his eyes bulged out like, like two wet rocks. And when he looked at all the other animals, they had something that he did not have. They all had elegant tails, swishing and slashing through the air. And one day his depression grew so heavy around him that he cried out to the sky god. Please, he said, please. I am the ugliest of all your creatures. I am the lowest of all your creatures. Will you not help me? The sky god looked down at the little frog and said, What is it you want? The frog said, A tail. Everybody has a tail but me. I just want a tail, something elegant, that I can swish around in the mud. The sky god said, Hmm. I could give you a tail. But you would need to pay for it. You need to be um, a watchman for me. You do a job. You watch over my special well and I will give you a tail. 
A frog opened up his great cavernous mouth and he said, I will, I will, I will, I will. And Sky God laughed and said, very well, very well, there's the well and there's your tail. A frog could feel it. He could feel it growing out from his backside, long and thin and tapered. Oh, it was magnificent. Not only now did he have a tail, but he had a very important job. A job as the special watchman over the sky god's well. And as he stood watching over the well, the power of the job went to his head. And whenever any animals came by, he would say, Stop! Who goes there? clearly see who it was because they were right in front of him but the animal would have to report in and ask permission and one day there was a great drought and all of the water dried up including the water in sky god's special well and each of the animals approached desperate dry parched mouths and frog cried out stop he swished his magnificent tail who goes there and each of the animals called out their name and begged permission to enter the well. And Frog laughed, and he said, There is no water here. Be gone. There is no water here for you. Go. And with each rejection, his voice got louder and louder, until finally Sky God could feel the rumble from the volume up above. And Sky God looked down and saw Frog treating all the animals so poorly. Sky God disguised itself as an animal and made its way down to the well. And sure enough, sure enough, Frog bellowed in his great and arrogant voice, who goes there? And Sky God whispered. And Frog shouted out, there is no water here for you. And with that, Sky God ripped off the animal face and peered down at Frog and said, you would treat me thus. You would treat me and all the animals thus. You have no right to that tail. And with that, he pulled a tail from Frog's body as Frog shrieked. And to this day, when frogs are born as tadpoles, they are born with a tail to remind them of the time when they were happiest. And as they grow large and fat, with great cavernous mouths and bulbous rocky eyes. They lose their tail to remind them of where their arrogance and unforgiving nature brought them. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love, find all of our storytellers on the internet thingy and tell them you heard about them here on Story Story podcast. And you now, now, you want to hear them tell more tales. You can find Rachel Ann Harding and the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or RachelAnnHarding.com. Me, you can find me out there too, SimonBrooksStoryteller.com. There's no Ian Brooks. And yes, I too am on Instagram, Simon M. Brooks. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor idea belong to Rob Vanderbilt. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed from the wonderful Laura Packer, another friend of mine. You can find her lovely stories and writing prompts and other things written by Laura by looking her up on social media and on the internet. Again, Laura Packer. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know a favourite story you have heard or a favourite story of your childhood. Who knows, maybe you'll hear it here soon. 
I hope you don't mind me standing in again for the gracious Rachel Ann Harding. She's been busy at Storyteller Camp. She's training some new bards in the art of living graciously and storytelling, of course. Oh, and her meeting with Baba Yaga went well. She tells me she has something for me from Baba Yaga. I can't wait. If you would like to become a sponsor of the podcast for as little as $4 a month, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If you do contribute, you'll hear me and all or maybe someone else entirely read your name and thank your beautiful face for the world to hear if it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now no worries perhaps you would be willing to write a review on iTunes yes you can which helps other story lovers find and enjoy this podcast Rachel Ann would love that anyway head over to the website join the mailing list for hidden goodies and when you next tune in there will be more stories for you but until then Live happily ever after. And Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the 